The best products are designed for intuitive use. After all, who really has time to read a user manual? But in the context of healthcare and life sciences, how can you design a technical solution that is genuinely easy to use? And how much of a role does training have to play? Hello, and welcome to The Evidence Space, a podcast from the Institution of Engineering and Technology, which brings you conversations with leaders from health, care, and life sciences. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Bannister, and in this episode, I'm delighted to welcome back Dr. Tarima Matten and Bastian Hauck. Tarima, Bastian, we previously spoke about how to collaborate with users, both clinicians and patients, in that early inception stage of device development and how the evidence we collect from those interactions can shape the way in which we prove the effectiveness of these new technologies later on. So I'd like to spend a little bit more time talking about how we train people in the use of these new technologies. And while I think it's very clear that not every new solution needs to come on the back of some new technology, inevitably with any kind of new product solution for any problem in healthcare or life sciences, there's gonna be some kind of training burden for the user. So you could end up with a very complex new device which requires a lot of training. However, I do get the impression that that's not really going to be acceptable to the user, regardless of whether they're a patient or a clinician. So given all of that, how do you both see from your respective positions as clinician and patient advocate, the role of user training to mitigate complex design? Well, if I, if I might start, I mean, it really depends, as you were saying, on how new is the approach, right? Is this something that is radically different from what we've been doing before, or is it just a new way of doing the same thing. Um, if it's radically new and if it requires a different way of understanding how my body works or how a certain medication works or how a device will affect what I do, then I do think it should be obliged for a company introducing such a piece of innovation, whatever it is, whether it's in pharma or medtech or in digital, whatever, companies should be required to make sure that they not only launch a great solution, but they also uh, th that they also provide the education. I wouldn't call it training, but the education around it in whichever form is appropriate, but that, that, that they are not, I, I would make it a requirement that if you introduce something new, you have to make sure that the people who will be using it understand what this means, if this is radically different, because otherwise this may be putting people at risk. That's the one part. The other thing is, if it's just another way of doing it, et cetera, maybe you don't need that much of it. And coming back to the design process, I mean, don't bore me with user manuals and long things to read, <laughs> AGB or terms of reference. I mean, you know, this is like when you sign up to a new Facebook, Google, whatever kind of thing, do you read all that small print? No, you scroll down, you click accept. We do the same, man. Like I said, this is something I use on a daily level. I don't see this like, oh my God, this is a medical device. I have to read all this 712 paragraphs before I start. No, I will take it out of the box and I will start using it. This is a bit like going back to, you know, the first iPhone. I remember years ago, MedTech Forum in Brussels, I was giving a talk about living with diabetes. 
And I said something there and everybody kind of looked at me and it was like, it, it was mostly people from MedTech industry. And they were looking at me like, yeah, I had, I remember very, it, I had just gotten my first iPhone. It was the iPhone 3, you know, the roundish one, very basic from today's perspective. But think back in time, it's not that many years ago. Yeah. I, I forget which year it was, but it's not that long ago, really. Yeah. I back then said, you know what, guys, if you guys from MedTech don't smarten up, my next blood glucose meter will be my iPhone. And everybody was like, it's a phone, you know. Just a year later, the first device came to market that connected to an iPhone and made usability the key thing. And it didn't require a lot of learning and, 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 and it won over the market. It's the same thing in what you are referring now, training, education, etc. Make sure things just work. Make sure they are like this unboxing experience of your new I'm an Apple user, you know, MacBook, iPad, whatever, but whatever it is, you know, it has to come out of the box, you turn it on, it needs to be fully charged, you start using it if it's a device or an app, etc. And you want to already know what this is going to ask you and what how you react to it, etc. Uh, like I said, this is for the ones, the technologies or the innovations that are not super new. If it's super new, if it has a direct impact on on my health, if I don't really understand what's behind it, make sure there's really good training. But again, the same thing would apply. Make sure that training is intuitive and or make sure it's personal. So, you know, even digital solutions might need someone to actually tell you with an HCP, with a nurse, with an educator face to face. Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you. For me, kind of from the user perspective, this whatever it is needs to be very intuitive, very easy to use, as you say, fit in with your lifestyle. I look at this, I suppose, from the perspective of kind of trading of the healthcare workforce and what it means in terms of the different skills that they require to empower users. And that really, um, I think, is they need to be able to uh, enable their patients or users through the sort of, I suppose, almost filtering of fake news, but being able to kind of appraise some of what's, what's out there so they can choose the best ones to then recommend. Um, we've got this kind of digital apps library in the NHS, which is an example of that. But I think um, those kind of core digital skills of, of how you kind of weigh up the, these different solutions and then therefore what you would recommend, I think is a key skill that everyone would need in the future. And was, um, we identified that in our, um, in the topple review that outlines the kind of different uh, ways that you might train the workforce so that they can help deliver digital solutions. Um, I also think that um, another sort of aspect of that is, again, and we've, we've touched upon this, but this idea of kind of multidisciplinary working. Um, so again, if if you're sort of working alongside um, maybe engineers, they might be the individual who can kind of assess those different technologies. And then the clinician and the patient might have a conversation to kind of make sure that they understand then how what that means in terms of their management plan. Um, yeah, I think we need to kind of consider the training implications of the workforce, because I think there will be a, a quite a significant 
change in the way that healthcare is delivered in the future. Yeah, I think it's that future looking role that I'm really keen to close in on. You mentioned in your role, you're very closely involved with upskilling the workforce and the NHS and looking ahead of what technologies might be available for use in the future. I'm, I'm really keen to hear from both of you what solutions, not necessarily technologies, you're most excited about and maybe also the ones that you're a bit tired of hearing about, you know, the ones that are all buzzwords. Yeah, so... Um... On a very generic level, I think everything that uh, takes away a bit of the burden of living with whatever it is, living with chronic disease, living with whatever condition there may be, everything that takes away the burden on a, a daily level will be highly appreciated. And that can take many, many different forms. Um, but it has to do with so it's not so much about the technology or the solution as such. It has to do with providing a bit more peace of mind, maybe a bit mindfulness, you know, letting me think. Have, one of the things that's so burdensome about living with type 1 diabetes is that it's 24-7. It's hundreds of decisions every day. It's always in the back of my head. I don't get a single day off on 364 days a year. I will live with this probably until the rest of my life. And that is, I'm not saying it's very well researched. It's very well manageable. It's not that it's, you know, this is not, I won't die from this probably. It's not, it's not like cancer or like some much worse things. If you, if you want to compare, I, I don't want to compare, but you know what I mean, mm. but it's, it's something that's always there. And if a solution can take away a little bit of that can give me a little bit of more free space can make me not forget, but be a bit more focused on the here and now for the next hour or so or for half a day and not have to think about this all the time. Boy, that's quality of life. That is what for me is relevant. Um, the stuff that I don't want to hear about is all the, there's been so much over-promising in digital and healthcare over the last couple of years with all the buzzwords. So whenever I hear about the cure is just, you know, the cure has always been in diabetes five years away. I've heard this from the day of diagnosis. In five years, in five, five years, it's always, it's always tomorrow. It's all, don't, don't give me that. Don't give, mm. I, I know I have diabetes. It's an autoimmune disease. And maybe, maybe somebody will be super smart and come up with probably more than in the stem cell research business or whatever, come up with a solution that will make this go away. I'm I'm not so sure. I'm 40 something. I mean, there's not that much time left. It's not going to be five years. So don't give me that. And also don't over promise on how great your solution. Be real. Tell me, listen, we've been putting a lot of work into this. We've been doing a lot of research. This is what we hope we have achieved. Try it out. Hope you like it. Be honest. That's some really great advice there. And, and Tarima, from your perspective as a clinician, what are you most optimistic, most enthusiastic about? And also, what are you most sick of hearing about? So I'm going to be a little bit, I suppose, two, two parts to what I'm excited about. I think there are some aspects where um, digital solutions could have a really big impact, but are not kind of cutting edge all really exciting and that is around the kind of back office function so how do you reduce a lot of the administrative burden for healthcare professionals um, how do you streamline patient appointments so definitely um, there was a new technology 
that I read about that was sort of an algorithm to uh, try and identify the patients that are most likely to not attend their appointments for a particular imaging scan. Now, for me, that's amazing because not only does it allow you to then really hone in on what is stopping these patients from coming to hospital and attending their scans. So how can we incentivize those individuals or, you know, it, are there other issues that we're not addressing, but also it then frees up some resource that means um, we can offer those appointments to kind of people who are also waiting. My kind of techie geeky side would say, I'm really excited about natural language processing. So as a radiologist, um, use a lot of speech recognition. Um, but I think looking at it from the perspective of when you have a consultation with a patient and maybe you have natural language processing in the background, does it have the ability to pick up on some nuanced kind of cues? Um, so say, you know, just in the introduction, the patient might mention something about their housing and then you move on to focus on all the different kind of uh, clinical problems they might have. But actually, through that kind of technology, it alerts the clinician to actually go back and really dig into what the housing issue is, because maybe that's the biggest health determinant and that's the thing that's going to make the biggest impact rather than you kind of being consumed and moving forward with all these other kind of problems. But that's definitely exciting. In terms of what I'm really skeptical about, it comes back to any, any technology or solution that has bold claims that it will, you know, replace uh, either, either a complete clinical pathway or, a, you know, a healthcare professional. Um, that for me would set alarm bells because for me, all of these things should be augmenting both the kind of patient and user experience, but also um, the entire pathway or, or that they might be on. So, yeah, very wary of anything that sort of says, you know, you don't, you know, for example, you don't need to be um, a dermatologist. This app will diagnose your skin cancer. That that would be worrying for me. <laughs> and Tarima, if I, if I may just say, this is something that I think is very important also in how we communicate about innovation, especially in the digital space, because this is what drives many HCPs, nurses away from accepting innovation because they see it as a threat maybe also to their jobs and their livelihoods and their role. Mm. And, you know, that, that's not what this is about. It's not what it should be about. Because for me, I do want to see my doctor. I do want to see my diabetes nurse. But what I really, and, you know, I really want to spend some time with them talking about stuff that's relevant to me. Whereas right now, the reality is most of the time I get to spend with my doctor or my diabetes nurse is about stuff that could easily be done. And we're not talking high tech, but it could mm -hmm. easily be done remotely or through the cloud or through video things or through uploading data. Or I have this very basic, you know, we're talking about innovation and, and it's, it always we always think it's something super, super great. But as you were saying, it can be some very basic things. Yeah. It's things that are already there, things that have long been invented in other walks of life. I don't know a single, you know, ecosystem that is so backward than healthcare, because in any other walk of life, we would never accept the status quo today in 2020. You know, mm -hmm. if you're shopping, 
you know, it's Amazon. If you're banking, it's online banking. If you're whatever it is, mm-hmm. but in healthcare, you know, I always make this comparison. If I if I want a pizza, you know, 20 years ago, I had to take my bike and drive to a pizza place and order the pizza and wait for half an hour till they made the pizza and then take it home. And by the time I got home, it was cold. And then I would be able to have my pizza next to my TV. Today, I take out my cell phone. I order a pizza. It comes by bike career within 20 minutes. Anywhere in Berlin where I live and in most of Europe, I guess that's the case, right? What's the biggest difference between insulin and a pizza? Pizza has to be delivered hot. Insulin has to stay cold on the way from A to B. But to get my insulin, I have to go see my doctor, wait for half, make an appointment, wait for half an hour despite the appointment. The appointment is to be done by phone, then have a talk with her, then get a paper prescription, take it to the pharmacy. They don't have it, so I have to come back the next day, then pick it up, go home. Then I, I mean, come on, you know, it could be just as easy as ordering a pizza. Agreed. I think that's a really important point. So as a radiologist, I've been challenged so many times that, you know, artificial intelligence is going to replace me. And I say, bring it on. Actually, um, any clinician that doesn't embrace digital solutions, they are, you know, the ones that will be replaced by those that do. So that's the, the first kind of, I think, uh, at a fundamental level that, you know, healthcare professionals have to accept that they're, they're, the way that they um, their role will change. And we did, um, so I recently uh, co-authored a report around the role of the future doctor, really addressing this point that you need to embrace these um, and that kind of technology will be a part of, of all healthcare professionals in the future. And technology, if that is, and that is my biggest hope, if technology takes away some of the burden, not only for me, but also yes, for people like exactly. and allows the both of us in our engagement to have more quality time to talk about what's relevant. Wow, I'm all in. I want to see you every three months. Yeah. Three months now. <laughs> and that's... Replaced. We're just going to talk about different stuff. And that's the perfect, I think, uh, crux of any healthcare relationship is... People want to have that human touch, that compassion, and it's been lost, as you say. So if we could bring that back, then brilliant. So look, on that note, I'd like to bring this very informative discussion around the role of users in the design of new technologies to a close. Tarima and Bastian, I really appreciate your complimentary perspectives on this important topic. Thank you both very much. Thanks, Peter. Thank you very much for having us. On this episode of The Evidence Space, we've come full circle because one of the things we started out saying is that the role of engineers is to make sure that devices that are produced are both easy and enjoyable to use. If we don't meet these requirements, then it's unlikely that they're ever gonna be adopted at scale and go on to solve the problems that they set out to. We've also talked about the role of clear communication. One of the key roles of engineers and innovators is to be open, transparent, and balanced about the potential benefits of new technologies so that users can effectively engage and contribute and help understand what the true modes of operation of these new devices are going to be in practice. We hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Evidence Space. If you have any suggestions for a future episode, please do get in touch. Thank you very much for listening.